Hello, my community. It's March. Our spring term is reaching its midpoint, and we pause for a break in the semester. Advising is already looking ahead to summer, and our students are, as ever, immersed in their lives and studies, working for the change they desire. And when we step outside of our classrooms and homes, the change of a new season is fully underway as the slow motion bursting of tree blossom continues. In our fields, the sturdy cold weather crops of cabbage and collards are making space for new lettuces and the tender crops of spring. I'm Claire Houle, a writer and instructional designer at the Center for Teaching Excellence at Midlands Technical College here in Columbia, South Carolina. This episode begins our new season, just as spring is really taking off here on our campuses. A new season in a new season. Join me as we once again branch out, following the roots and filaments of teaching and connection here at the college. This is Instructional Ecology. Welcome to season three. This season, we're following as ever a new path, a new line of inquiry. The seed of this season has come from our MTC Interconnections programming that we started in the fall of 2022, specifically the Faculty Conversation Series. As we talked with faculty in our sub-series called A Culture of Supporting Students, we talked in some new and sustained ways about what we used to call soft skills. That's not such a precise term. And it implies that skills like the ability to plan and execute that plan, to have agency in one's own life, to behave professionally according to context, to learn from mistakes and attempts, to understand how best to absorb and apply new knowledge are somehow secondary to life, as opposed to the business of living that it actually is. So we've given up calling them soft skills. In this season, I'll be using terms we at the CTE use instead, essential skills or durable skills. These skills are both essential to all kinds of work and growth, and they are durable. They are skills you use in all careers and endeavors throughout your life. From those faculty conversations and in further conversations with staff, we here at the CTE are appreciating in new ways, something we've known for quite a while, that these essential skills are often the true differential for students in their success at our open enrollment college. and that at an open enrollment college, we have such a diversity of student experience and preparation that the college must be responsible for teaching and supporting these skills in some capacity. We became curious, which is always such an important element in growth. Our curiosity led us to ask questions of faculty in various parts of the college to get an up-to-the-minute informal assessment of where students are with essential skills right now and how those skills are currently being taught. We're all still coming to terms with life in the age of COVID. And it's always worth asking, what are we seeing? And what are we doing right now? And as we asked and listened and faculty talked, we heard that students are ever more in need of these essential skills. So this season is what we're finding. This episode kicks off a deep exploration of how our community is teaching essential skills in our courses that all add up to the foundational skill of learning to learn. Learning to learn. This is a complex set of skills that most people rarely think consciously about, even if they do them well. 
In our instructional ecology method, we're going to look closely and shine light on this dense, dark star, this concentration and conjunction of skills that our students need. Our time together this season will reinforce that learning to learn is a set of skills, not a monolithic behavior. We found at the college that our students need to learn how to learn in order to succeed at our two-year college and in their next steps, wherever work or education take them. And we're going to uncover that as always, by asking professors, what are you teaching and how are you teaching it? And my questions will explore this complexly woven set of learning to learn skills. Once again, we'll be all over the college teaching community. Among our voices will be people embedded in our math, English, mechatronics, psychology, and student success in our neighborhoods. We'll hear voices from public speaking, advising, theater, and precision machining neighborhoods. That's right, I said neighborhoods. Together, we're all one big MTC community. So how can we think of our subcommunities, our schools and departments in relation to the whole? I find in my mind, I'm starting to see them as neighborhoods in a larger community. They have differing infrastructure and aesthetics and populations, but their streets connect with everyone else's. Follow one path, one line of inquiry, and you'll eventually reach each center of gravity at the college. That's what this season will do. Follow a path that winds its way through many neighborhoods. And at the end of the season, maybe we'll have a better map to follow when we want to travel to reach each other, to be connected. So why did we choose to spend our time, our guest time, your time, exploring the skills and experience of learning to learn? Let's ask someone who thinks about this all the time. Mary Helen Hendricks, the director of the Center for Teaching Excellence and the person who put me up to this project. Mary Helen, why is learning to learn the most fundamental set of skills we can offer our students? Learning is a process like anything else. And it follows a certain kind of pathway. Different people may learn at different rates. They may find some things easier than others to learn. But the truth is, every time we go into a new environment, we have to learn something about it, whether we are conscious that we're learning or not. When you do something consciously, when you can make a conscious choice, you have the agency to choose something, it empowers you to make stronger decisions, better decisions. You have to recognize that there is something there to learn and that learning it adds to your ability to make better decisions, more informed decisions. And I think that's part of what we talk about when we're teaching students about learning as well as what they need to learn. At the college, we say that we create lifelong learners. According to Mary Helen, that means helping people become more aware of their learning, their decisions. Conscious learning creates agency in our communities, strengthening lives and the lives they touch. It's all about agency. It's faculty agency and it's student agency. And by agency, I mean the power and willingness to take 
control of what you're trying to accomplish. So what you're trying to learn, it's owning it. It's not just being there and letting somebody feed it to you. It's saying, this is what I want to learn. This is why I want to learn it. It's being aware that this isn't a process you're going through for somebody else. It's a process to give you power. It's a process. I mean, we know that knowledge is power. It absolutely is. This is where you get your own power, is becoming a practiced learner. And even, I mean, ask yourself, am I really a lifelong learner? Am I really open to learning whatever comes my way? Do I only want to learn what pleases me? Because there's a difference there. And what we're trying to inspire is a willingness to learn, whether it's your passion or it's something that's come along that might you might need to know, even if it's not your favorite thing. It's recognizing that I need to be able to learn if I want to be informed and make well-informed decisions. So learning to learn is a fundamental skill in a life of agency. And this turns on self-awareness. As Mary Helen just pointed out, to be able to deliberately choose one's action, one's best path given all one knows about the self. And many of our guests will speak exactly to the importance of these choices in their classes and how they work with students to show them how to make those choices based on their individual need and context. Sometimes this gets called metacognition, thinking about thinking. And we'll talk a lot in this season about making the component essential skills of learning to learn visible to students in our classes. Visible. What do we mean by making the teaching of essential skills visible? When we recognize what essential skills students really need are durable across the course of their learning lifetime, when we can put a name to it, then you can determine how best to use it. If you've had it work. If you've ever accidentally found a solution, you may go through a bunch of funky steps to always enact that particular solution because you know it works. Once you know why it works, though, you can weed out some of the extraneous steps, right? And when we make these essential skills visible, like as you do this, you are practicing prioritization, which is critical to time management. Or you are practicing information gathering. You are practicing collaboration when you work on this discussion board. You are practicing whatever that durable skill is. You're calling attention to it as you call attention to the hard skills, the content that you're actually teaching so that they recognize that that prioritization of these things is as important as knowing what the definitions of these words are. This podcast project is about visibility and discovery. The ecological work of nourishing our college instructional community is based on making our practices and work lives visible to each other. This is the same thing learning studies have found is effective for students. If we tell them what they're doing and why they're doing it, they have greater success and agency through awareness. Likewise, 
if we talk about our teaching and think together, we make our teaching choices conscious in a new way, which should be invigorating and empowering in our work lives. This is powerful development in a profession. Now, the college offers and has offered for a number of years a particular set of courses that are expressly created to teach and enhance essential skills for our students, no matter what their experience or skill level. These are COL courses, which orient students to the college learning experience and offer them concrete methods and skills to support them throughout their time with us and at other institutions and workplaces in the future. Mary Helen told me that she thinks of COL as training for a marathon. They come in long before you actually go to start the marathon and running, right? The marathon, when it that gun goes off, you're already in it and you're launched and you're going. But you have to be prepared before you do that. If you don't prepare in advance, you're not going to make it through. I see COL as that planning point. This is the practices that I'm going to put in place to ensure that I'm ready to go the distance of the full marathon. So COL is where I identify the practices I'm going to need, maybe better eating practices, better study practices, maybe regular exercise, equate, you know, regular runs equate to regular studying. But I know that my runs have to get longer and longer, and I know that my study processes have to develop more and more. COL sets that groundwork. It introduces you to the practices and, and good study skills, and it lays that foundation for future success. However, if you make that plan and then you don't implement it, you're not going to be successful in the race. You just aren't. So they make the plan in COL, but we need to give them the opportunities to practice those skills over and over to ensure successful completion of this lifelong learning marathon. And, and that's what I see COL. It's a launching point, but it has to be the same way in a race. You have to practice regularly to be successful. You have to practice those skills regularly. And until they're a part of you, you're going to need guidance to, to practice them. COL can offer a rich set of skills and new ways of thinking to students. It's designed to foster self-awareness in ways that perhaps students haven't had a chance to attend too much. And it's designed to branch out into all of the rest of their classes. The skills aren't meant to stay boxed only into the COL class. The skills taught there must be used in their subject courses. That's what they're for. So when you run a marathon, it's not just one long flat plane. Marathons have hills that you have to climb. They have declines where you go down and it's a little bit easier, but you still have to know how to pace yourself. It's the same as being in different disciplines. You know, the science marathon or the math phase of your marathon may be very different from something in your humanities and you have different strategies for that. You, you run differently. You prepare differently when you're getting ready to do a big incline. You change your pattern a little bit. The same with this, as the students go from COL into their um, gen ed studies or their field of choice, their discipline of choice, they are honing these strategies that will make them most successful in each of those endeavors. That's where the faculty member uses their knowledge of COL and what students have learned there to enhance their own 
course content and delivery mechanisms. So that the students are getting those skills honed in that climb or honed for coming around that curve and getting ready to go into the second stretch. But we find that often students think of COL courses in transactional ways. They succeed at the COL course, but then they don't actually apply the many skills they've learned when they're taking their subject classes. They think of COL content as standalone, or it's unclear to them how to adapt those COL skills for a subject course. Here is where that visibility we talked about can help them connect the mandatory COL courses with the rest of their careers. And a gap we found when we listened to faculty was that not all faculty teach COL courses. So not all faculty know what's in the courses. This season is a chance to get some beautiful vistas into COL. Some of our guests are COL instructors or COL leads for their own schools. Some are teaching COL skills on their own. And that's how we hope you can use this podcast if you're teaching. Your course design and teaching practice come into conversation with other teaching that's going on at the college. Many of us try to regularly update and optimize our courses to keep ourselves and our teaching fresh and engaging. If you're hearing what's going on in other classes, who knows how you might be inspired to optimize your own classes. If you're thinking about your teaching is familiar with the teaching of others, imagine how that might benefit our students and our professors. Our teaching could come into conversation with teaching all over the college, further enriching the learning and teaching experience. And if you're supporting teaching, you can bring new ideas into the way you support students. These are fresh approaches and tools for your toolkit as you talk and work with students. And I do mean this to be a personal fluid relationship. I'm not talking at all about lockstep cookie cutter teaching. In my decade of higher ed teaching, I know how that can wither the vitality of instruction and the spirit of the professor and the interest of the students. It's not about conformity. It's about conversation. It's about dialogue and the chiming of related ideas and concepts all being made visible so that the student can learn to see the connections between these essential skills and learning and success in the education they've chosen. Mary Helen, who is invested in honoring and supporting the wide diversity of teaching at the college, calls this flavors of skills. So we do that in our disciplines already. When you're taking a more advanced biology class, it's not uncommon to hear in bio 101 or in bio 210, you learn this. What we're doing there is reminding the students that skills are built. We grow in our discipline and our expertise. Well, it's the same with study skills. Back in COL, we learned these techniques. Now we're going to see how the techniques look in action in this discipline and what its flavor looks like in this classroom. But it reminds students and helps them recall, which we know is critical in terms of learning and cognitively how we learn. It's revisiting things. It's seeing them through different lenses. It's learning to extrapolate into new environments. To do that, though, you have to be aware that that's what you're doing. Otherwise, it's happening in the background and then you can't repeat it. In other words, an essential skill like professionalism may look very different in different disciplines. What professionalism looks like for a nurse and for a carpenter 
and for an administrative professional and for a business owner may have some commonalities and also look quite different from each other. And each discipline is going to help a student understand their context. They'll all teach the common essential skills and also illustrate the distinctive version or flavor of that profession. And the instructional ecology is to begin to see how our teaching touches and affects other teaching around the college. You are teaching crucial content and skills. Are you already also echoing and reinforcing anything that's being taught elsewhere? Could you, with small changes? How could what you say echo usefully in another learning context? At the end of this season, I'll do some thinking about what we've heard together and how we could move into some rich new possibilities for our students through new possibilities in our teaching. Even small and subtle shifts could have an important impact on student success. We have this student who sits in the college and we have this faculty member and we've got staff and all these layers but we're all community we're all interconnected and sometimes we operate as if we're silos you know different disciplines but even outside the college silo versus the worker silo right who's out but we're really not we're not siloed we're all part of a community and as you grow in a community you recognize that everything every person plays an important part in that community. It's like that it takes a village to raise a child. Well, it takes a college to graduate a student. It's not one professor who's gonna make that work. It's not one staff member. It's not one person in leadership. It is the interconnections of all of those people supporting one another that makes this possible. And sometimes we forget that, you know, we forget that the students that we're teaching in our classroom are the members of our community around us, serving one another and serving us. Our staff, same thing. They are serving our community of students as well as our community of parents. It really is about making a community. Learning is a social endeavor. Learning is not a standalone entity. It cannot happen in a vacuum. And all of these pieces, leadership, staff, faculty, students, and outside community are what really brings this to a successful fruition. The college needs community support to support its learning mission. I don't mean financially, that's, that's there too, but it's, it's the learning mission. It's recognizing that to meet what's happening in society, we have to be capable and willing to continue to learn. So this season, we'll hear about agency, frustration, play, reflection, study, connection, and failure. I created topics for these episodes in order to have organizing points that professors talk about, but I'll tell you, these are just centers of gravity for very interconnected topics. When you hear Tom McKenna talk about agency, he's going to stray into reflection. And when you hear Jeremy Gilliam talk about frustration, he'll feed back into agency. Kissy Hendricks talks about reflection, but that's also related to connection. TJ Kimmel talks about failure, and that's related to connection and reflection and agency, and so on with all other topics. This reminds me that many of the divisions that specialization has led us to are useful only up to a point. 
As you listen to the coming episodes, I hope you'll make your own connections between these topics and appreciate how these skills are all interdependent on each other. It's hard to work on one without invoking another that supports it. Learning to learn is a network of skills and they all touch and intersect each other. Interconnections, this podcast is here to serve that. And in my project of connecting our teaching community to our local environment, our local seasons, I thought I'd switch that part up too. Given the choice, I'd rather be eating good food than doing almost anything else. And if I'm not eating it, then I'd like to be talking about it. We're a part of our local physical environment here in South Carolina. So part of our ecology, our ecosystem, is what's growing in our local farms. This season, I'll kick off our episodes by grounding us in what's ripening in our fields and what's in harvest at its best and most delicious to nourish our bodies. So here we are at yet another beginning, a spring beginning. The eternal cycle of academic and seasonal year turns on, the water wheels of learning beginning empty, filling, lifting, cresting, and emptying again, ready to turn again and refill in endless motion. Thank you for joining me. And I hope you join us for our next episode on mindset and agency with my guest, Tom McKenna in the School of STEM. Join me deeper into spring and further into the web of our community.